Welcome to the Being the Change podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Vandeveer, here with your other hosts, Isabel Kiyosayan. We are the founders of Meditation Without Borders, and today we are very excited to have both David Lahav and Emily McCarthy of Meditate for World Peace on our show today. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Amazing. So good to be with you. Yay, two of our favorite initiators, great friends, awesome colleagues. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's these interviews that I just like, I love what we do for a living. It's so great. (laughs) We just get to talk to our favorite people. So tell us a little bit, bit about Meditate for World Peace and how it began and what your mission is. Yeah, so the mission began a little bit after the war started in Israel and Gaza, and we were sitting in our beautiful mountain home in Colorado and just watching everything unfold on news and social media. And we've had this question that I know many others have had, what is it that we can actually do to help the situation apart from just being on social media and talking to people about it and and wanting to do something? So as Vedic meditation teachers, it became very clear for us that there is a big need for us to bring Vedic meditation and teach many, many people in Israel to help individuals with the stress and grief that's happening. And also by teaching many, many people create a collective effect that happens in the community, a coherence effect that's happening when a larger and larger percentage of the population begins meditating. Beautiful. And first of all, we want to say how sorry we are mm-hmm. that this is happening. You know, for, obviously it's it's a global situation, but for those who actually are personally involved, like you, David, it's it's gotta be so not only heartbreaking, but also there's the you know, the ancestral trauma, you know, the collective trauma you you're feeling, I'm sure, very strongly. So we, we're very sorry that this is happening and um and we would love to hear a little bit more about you know your vision and how this idea of of a certain percentage of the population meditating has that exponential effect and how that plays into your your vision for this project mm-hmm. yeah to get clear on is thinking how does a big change in a region in a country how does it come to be And we tend to believe, oh, this is something that the government is going to figure out. And maybe in Israel, since there is a long, uh, and in the region, there's a long history of conflict. Maybe it's not going to be just the government of Israel and the government of the Palestinians who figure it out. Maybe it's going to be, you know, the next U.S. president who's going to be the one who finds the solution and creates peace in the region. And so much time, (laughs) again... I said, don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> history has just shown us that this is hasn't happened yet, and things only seem to be getting worse. So actually, the change starts from within. It starts from the individuals. It starts from the grassroots effort of the individuals in the region uh, changing their consciousness state. And this happens through... Even a small, there's been a lot of research that has been done about this. It's called the Maharishi effect, when you can have a small percentage of a population, about 1%, who is practicing the meditation technique that we teach. And that creates a big effect in the collective, kind of a butterfly effect that starts from a small amount of people and then through all of the interactions that they have with other people, bringing more positivity, less stress, more fulfillment, And that ripples out and becomes very, very supportive. And the research has shown that when this happens in a specific region, things like uh, war deaths begin to decrease dramatically. Things like crime rates begin to decrease dramatically. Hospitalizations, fires, um, a lot of these kind of things decrease because there is more coherence that is building in the consciousness in in a given area. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, the the mission and why there is a good scientific basis. And this is not just, you know, some wishy-washy, let's do good and, you know, let's all (laughs) meditate together and create peace. There's actually, um, there's actually some science behind it as well. 
Maharishi couldn't have said it better. That was a great story. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, you know, I've had so many students, you know, as teachers, we we get feedback from our students and, and the same thing keeps coming to me is that they are feeling in the collective, the stress on the other side of the world. And to me, that's just evidence of what you're talking about, but on the flip side, it's mm -hmm. like, we tend to think of ourselves as individuals that are completely separate from everybody else, but really we're waves on an ocean. And so when something is happening in another part of, it, of the ocean, all the waves feel it. Mm -hmm. And when we can feel in the same way, we can feel that collective stress that's happening on the other side of the world right now from where we are. Cause right now I'm in the U S and, and you guys are in the U S and, and Izzy's in Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, the opposite is also true. And it's actually much more powerful in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's it's almost like a, you know, the the trampoline analogy where you know if you have uh, one baseball on the trampoline, it bends a little bit, but you have you know a thousand baseballs on the trampoline, then it's really bending. And anyone in that event horizon in the trampoline is going to have their consciousness uh, de-excited. Mm -hmm. And stress is a lot like you know we think of tempers flaring, we think of heat. And meditation is the only way I know of, of cooling the consciousness. So it, it creates this de-excitation, which orders consciousness. It goes from, from excited and disordered to cool and ordered. And mm -hmm. so we have a small amount of the population meditating, and then it basically is de-exciting the whole trampoline, <laughs> mm -hmm. bringing the whole thing down. And when I think of conflicts as well, it's like that it's exponential in terms of like just a little bit of cooling is the difference between pressing a red button and not pressing a red button. Mm -hmm. So even if, if meditators can't completely fix the whole thing, we can think of it as like if they can cool it enough to keep serious disasters from happening. Yeah, this is exactly what it's about, because we're seeing this is not just about Israel and Gaza. This is about the whole world right now. And there are some also very powerful countries and military forces that are kind of clashing against one another, with Israel being the centerpiece and where Israel and Gaza, where all of that is happening. So that's why it's so important, not just for the people in Israel and Gaza, but for the whole world. In, to bring this mission to Israel and to bring, like you said, the fire hose, mm -hmm. um, the water hose to the fire <laughs> that, that's <laughs> happening right now. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how this this very small geographical area has been the focal point of so much attention for so many centuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how it, it really is, is. I don't know what it is about this place, but it, it, it really, I mean, going back to crusades and all this, it really is, there's something about this place that is the focal point of so much consciousness awareness. And so something it's, but that it, I think in the same way that when something goes wrong there, it has this exponential effect on the world. Yeah. You guys going in and bringing meditation there will also have an exponential effect on the world. Yeah, it's really true. So why not try this project that I'm not sure has ever been done in this region, where we bring our technique, which we know is so powerful for cooling, so powerful for creating individual change to this hotspot area that like you said, this conflict has been going on since what, like, Biblical times. <laughs> it's, it's far beyond even the last, you know, few decades. And we are all connected, you know, to think that an area that's having extreme conflict and violence in one part of the world is not affecting us here in the United States or in Mexico. We personally are feeling that it is. So the idea is creating change at a place that's really, really calling for it from the ground up. And it will have a ripple effect, not only throughout that region, but throughout the world for all of us. 
I think of the world as like a body, right? And, you know, it's like all, everyone needs meditation, right? There's stress. <laughs> and it's like, there's no, just in the same way, the whole body needs nourishment. Like there's no cell that doesn't need it. But when you have a wound, like an ax wound, mm-hmm. the body naturally draws its attention to that place. The blood goes there, everything goes there. And so when I think about meditation without borders, you know, when we were putting together our nonprofit a few years ago and this uh, mission as well, it's similar in that it's like, look, everyone needs meditation. Everyone needs stress release. However, let's go to the ax wound. (laughs) (laughs) When there's an ax wound in the body, all the cells feel that as well. So if you can bring your soma and bring healing to that place, it's also going to have an exponential effect on everywhere else. And you kind of need to address the axe wound. (laughs) Yeah, nobody is going to be safe if at a conflict of this level is left unchecked. I just have so many things to say, and (laughs) I don't know how to say it. Like, nothing comes out. (laughs) But it's such. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing that you guys are doing because, you know, we know conflict is happening all over the world and we know that consciousness is a way to actually change that. And when when this war broke out, I think all of us felt so powerless. And I mean, at least here in Mexico, it's like, how, what, what can we do? And because I'm an outsider to the conflict, it's so hard to try to help from outside. And so because, David, you know, you're, you're Israeli. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful thing that you nominate yourself. Like, this is like, if I don't do it, nobody will, is going to do it. And obviously, you know, Emily, you guys doing it together is so inspiring for all of us that you know you're david you're our entryway because if i go to israel everybody will be like well who are you (laughs) i think everybody will line up to learn from you izzy but But it's so so beautiful that that it's like okay it's this is this is what we have to do and Mm -hmm. and to actually go through with it and you know, me and Kristen, we tried to, we told you, uh, we told you this, but we tried to talk about it, do an episode about it. It's like, we have no authority to talk about this. Yeah. And so. A whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> it takes us a while to get to an episode. So the fact that we tanked it means <laughs> we really weren't feeling good about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, as we told you in the meeting, like, I think me and Kristen and all of the community is here to help you guys in your projects in in whatever way, because we're all one mm-hmm. and we need to, to do this. So it's, just to congratulate you, because I'm so in awe of it. It's so fearless what you guys are doing. And that's, that's the way that we have to walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to acknowledge too, that you, you know, this conflict in particular is walking into a political minefield. <laughs> yes. The fact that you're fiercely doing that, that you're just going forward and knowing that there's going to be the way things are right now, you can't say anything. Like you said, you can't even say, I want peace without that being a controversial statement right now. Yeah. So you know, there's going to be some kind of pushback with whatever you're going to do. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And even, you know, the fact that you know going into Israel, like you can talk a little bit about just the fact that going into Israel, there's been some questioning why you're not going into Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't go into Gaza, but you know, to talk about that a little bit, the challenges you've had. Yeah, so so this is definitely a very very sensitive, and there is such a big divide and such big polarity between the different viewpoints that people are having in the world right now. So you absolutely can't say anything without somebody taking offense to it. <laughs> and we've experienced it from all sides, you know, just by saying we want to go and teach meditation, 
in the conflict zone. I'm Israeli. We have family and friends there. I speak Hebrew. So it's such a natural place for me and for us specifically to go to and begin this mission. We've gotten a lot of fire from, <laughs> from all sides. Uh, and I, I want to make this really clear. This is not about politics. This is not about this government or that government or this viewpoint. This is about being able to help a large amount of people in a conflict zone and try to create a more coherent, more sustainable um, solution towards peace in the future, help set the ground for it. That's all it is. And yes, because I'm Israeli, because my family lives there, because I grew up in there and served in the military, that's a very natural place for us to go. And you know, I don't speak Arabic. And at the moment, it's likely very unsafe for Emily and I to go to Gaza. You can't even enter. Right. At the moment. <laughs> it's not even possible. And, you can't even and, get water into Gaza, much less. Now. Yeah. And, and on the West Bank. So we definitely would like to see meditation in Gaza and in the West Bank. But in the meantime, what we can do, and this is, goes back to where we started, what is it that we can actually do? Mm-hmm. And this is what we can actually do. And by the way, there is about a million and a half uh, Palestinian Israeli citizens, Arab Palestinian Israeli citizens that can absolutely join this just like anyone else in in Israel. So that is one way that we can help bridge um, a little bit of, of the gap as well. Right. And it goes back to what we were talking about before that creating change in one region has a ripple effect. And so while we are going into Israel, it makes the most sense for us to be there. This ripple effect, when enough people begin meditating, will transfer throughout the entire region um, through Gaza, you know. And so it is starting in Israel but it's not only about Israel. Mm-hmm. And I know on your last podcast, which was so great, <laughs> you both talked a lot about how you don't self-identify with a mission. Like you have a cause for meditation without borders and it's flowing through you, but it's not Izzy and Kristen out to, you know, take a stance. There's a bigger mission happening. And that's very much how we feel for this, that it's not about David or myself. And for reasons that we could probably all see why nature, you know, chose David to carry out this mission. And as his partner, it has become my mission too, but it's not about us. And we have a technique that we know how to teach that we know creates change and the first project is beginning in Israel. And so we've also gotten a lot of support from you, um, from greater community, from colleagues, from people we haven't even met yet that are really seeing the value in that outside of the heat of politics, which is one of the things that also needs cooling. Yeah. (laughs) I think about the trampoline analogy again. And, you know, if you think of Israel and, and, Gaza, the West Bank, it's all, it's all on the same trampoline. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where you put your bowling ball or your baseballs. It's, it's all going to be pulling everyone there. And it doesn't matter your political stance really, because even if no matter what you believe, even if you think of Israel as the aggressor, they're the, you know, they're the bad guy in this whole scenario. Well, you want the bad guy meditating. Right? <laughs> like, you want their, the, their consciousness cooled. Um, or if you think the Palestinians are the bad guy, it's, it, it, mm-hmm. first of all, there is no bad guy in the Vedic view. So I'm just, mm-hmm. I just saying, it doesn't matter what your what your stance is. This is going to help, unless your stance is that you you just want horrible things to happen to people. <laughs> that's that's the only thing that that won't happen with meditation. Meditation will take things the other way. Um, so I think. You know, you guys starting there, this thing could grow throughout the whole, not just Israel, not just Palestine, you know, eventually the whole Middle East is a bit of a, a um, pressured area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it. It's, it's a hard area to get into. So you having an in, once you get in, then it can spread from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs>
So what can we do to help? What do you need from people? Yeah. So first of all, like Emily said, this is so much bigger than just Emily and I, uh, because we, our goal is to teach 1% of Israel to meditate. That's the, the vision. And that's about 100,000 people. <laughs> and we know that you have to start somewhere. So we have uh, the modest goal of teaching 10,000 people next year in Israel. And <laughs> for that, Emily and I can do it by ourselves. So this is where uh, you two have so wonderfully um, you know, agreed to collaborate together on this and many other colleagues as well. Um, are interested to come and support the project and potentially teach in Israel next year because we need the support in order to meet this goal. Um, so that's, you know, from the plan for next year. At the moment, what's really helpful for us is anyone who feels that they want to support this, then to share about this to friends, to family, on social media, and of course, contribute and donate. And the way this, the system works and the plan works is that every $100 that someone donates and supports, that creates a sponsorship for someone in Israel to learn meditation. So every $100 that's being donated ends up sponsoring a meditation course and giving a student in Israel the meditation course and then the support of weekly group meditation um, and, and helps create that change in their life. And this is starting right away. You guys are going next month, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're going in one month. It's amazing. We're currently being perform action. They're performing <laughs> <action>. <laughs> That's exactly it. So we're working with a lot of contacts in Israel to find space, to offer the courses, to share with people there that are ready to learn. And then we want to, you know, lay the foundation, get things going in December, and then we'll head off to India in January with all of you. And then we'll return in February and um, have our colleagues come and just start teaching and be really busy teaching. And even for students in Israel that aren't ready to talk about peace, because you know, there's just so much emotion and feeling and trauma around this, then even for someone that's not ready for that, it's about healing on the individual layer and all of the trauma that has occurred from the day-to-day -day life that's happening there and just healing yourself. And we don't even need to talk about peace and world peace if people aren't ready for that right now. And that's okay. Like meditation is here to help reduce anxiety and bring greater happiness. I think it's interesting to think about like, what is world peace? You know, what is peace is just an experience of consciousness. Mm -hmm. It can only be experienced on the individual level. So even if you're talking about world peace, what you're talking is about, about is the experience of peace and fulfillment within individuals. And that includes everybody. Mm -hmm. And we know that if you expand this to the societal level and you think about things like governments and prime ministers and presidents, the prime ministers and the presidents represent the collective consciousness of the people. So if you're able to have a shift in the consciousness of the people, then you're able to also elect leaders that represent that. And that helps create the change that we want to see. And we know that when we do see war, when we do see conflict, it happens from this object referral um, consciousness, thinking I need somehow to gain more resources, land, money, whatever that is, in order to be happy. I need something that someone else has, and I need to violate their interest in order to get that because I'm unfulfilled and doing that will get me fulfilled. And anyone who's learned Vedic meditation knows that once you begin practicing, this sort of worldview begins reversing. You realize it's not the money, it's not the relationship, it's not the house, it's not the objects. It's not the land. Mm -hmm. It's something that you find, like you said, peace inside of you and fulfillment inside of you. And that is really the key 
once more and more people are able to experience that and have that ripple effect on everyone around them, uh, that creates the shift and the change. And even the idea, like when, when you do Vedic meditation, you start experiencing experiencing yourself as the ocean of self instead of just merely mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Then you see everyone around you, everyone becomes extended self. Mm-hmm. you can't exactly. do harm to yourself you can't you see someone as you you're not going to hurt them you're not going to try to take their things you're not going to try yeah. to that, that was a big experience for me in the military when i served as a combat officer and soldier and up until then i didn't really get to meet the other side at, at the time the palestinians and so all i would get was what i would see in the media the people i knew who were killed in terrorist attacks And then when I would actually be the one with the gun and entering somebody's home on the other side, I could see, wow, they're actually wonderful people who want to, I'm talking about the majority, right? The minority extremists and and all of that, but I could see so much similarity, so much unity. And I could really see, oh, if I was born in the other side of the fence and I would experience the violence and force that the cycle creates of the military trying to protect and then the freedom fighters the terrorists trying to protect their people by attacking the other side like if i was born on the other side i might have wanted to take arms myself so this unity is really really key and not feeling this me versus them and and separateness right and our practice you know has the power to enact that that experience of what is it like to be you and it's really can be challenging to you know have experiences from the same level of consciousness from which we are creating the problem to begin with and so we introduce meditation we begin to shift our state of consciousness and then experience of what it's like to be another unfolds naturally and effortlessly. And if all of us were asking that question more often day to day, what is it like to be you? I feel like there'd be a really powerful change in how we treat and view and see one another. And it's so much about what you are doing. Meditation Without Borders just speaks to that. It's like, We are all one and let's create change and unity together. Yeah. I have chills all over my body. (laughs) (laughs) Comedy relief on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's so true. I loved everything that you guys have been saying and how, you know, people aren't ready for peace just yet because they're not at that state of consciousness, but they they will be. And the beautiful thing about meditation, and I always tell this to my students when they ask, what's meditation going to do for me? It's like, well, who's asking? Because <laughs> it's, it's going to give you exactly what you need. And that question will, con- I mean, that's going to continue happening the more and more you meditate. And so you might not want peace right now because you're not ready for that but that will eventually be a beautiful the side effect mm-hmm. of of the practice where you just naturally start to no longer see other as other but as extended self mm-hmm. now, i also want to ask about your love but that can be another episode <laughs> <laughs> So I do think that there's something really beautiful about the fact that it's you have the masculine and feminine going in together, unified, because there mm-hmm. there is a lot of, um, well, you know, we can look at this through the masculine and feminine lens as well. And, and all conflict mm-hmm. um, is, is we can talk about it in the lens of the imbalanced masculine. And also from the point of view of needing that feminine to to rise and come up and because uh, all, all the, the feminine consciousness sees all her children as the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when we meditate, we actually, the, that masculine and feminine sides of us, they, they, which we all have both, they, they find balance within us. 
and um and the so it seems expressive to me that you guys are doing this together that's why when you're like oh should we both come on we're like yes we want you both <laughs> <laughs> together you're the force and even the way that you guys speak it's it's perfect compliment like both energies complementing each other perfectly mm -hmm. and you know David, you're going to relate to people in a certain way. And Emily, you're going to relate to other people in a certain way. You know, you might, women might be more likely to come because you're part of it. And David, you're, you know, if it was just Emily or just, you know, just women doing it, some of the soldiers might not be interested, but the fact that mm -hmm. you've been a soldier, which I find really interesting to go your life story, you know, go from being in the military to, to guru <laughs> very Mahabharat it is <laughs> and I know yes, Paul yeah. says that you're a Chatria yeah. oh he's actually a Chatria like he actually is, is. He actually is. <laughs> <laughs> and a Davy I always tell Emily that she's my golden Davy <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Debbie is like, yeah, she's my golden baby too. <laughs> she was mine first, David. <laughs> so I think I actually met her first before anybody, right? Is that true? Hmm? I said, I think I met you first before anybody. Kristen, we met back when I think I had been meditating for like three months. Yeah. <laughs> we were on retreat and you walked in and there was an instant friendship. And I think you had been meditating for like five years. And I was like, wow, <laughs> what is it like to, you know, have your consciousness state and everything that you were experiencing. And I just so admired you and looked up to you and was asking you all the questions I do <laughs> and remember that on IT and it made so much sense and then I think I did it the next year and I've always looked at you I say to, to David when I look at you I feel like I'm you know looking at myself and my <laughs> sister and <laughs> We just have that. And Izzy is forever the goldenest baby. <laughs> she extends that offering to me. It's uh, I, I take it, but I have to express it back to you tenfold. <laughs> mm -hmm. also, but yes, Kristen, we met first. <laughs> yeah, we did. I, I, I get that badge on my, on my, uh, <laughs> And so, Debbie, I know you have family and friends in Israel. And um, so I want to ask a little bit about how I know your mom is a meditator. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what the experience has been. I know you guys did a beautiful uh, group meditation. Um, and that's kind of I, I think that's the first kind of thing that you did to kind of open it to the world. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'd love to hear a little bit. Because I heard it was amazing and that there were like bombs, bomb alerts going <laughs> off. And just a little about how that experience has been for both of you guys. Because obviously, you know, you're you're in a partnership and when some your partner is going through, it also affects you. And because a lot of my students, many questions in one, but a lot of my students have reported and I've felt it myself, kind of like the unstressing of the collective. And it's been like I've been so exhausted and, and shattered. And it's, of course, we we're kind of chimneys of what's happening in the collective and what you guys are doing is going there and cooling it in that place. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what both of you guys are experiencing right now and what the situation is like um, over there for, for your friends and family. Yeah, so maybe I'll start from that and then mm -hmm. curious how Emily can share about this um, as, as an objective witness. <laughs> um, so yeah, in Israel, I think the thing that's very different about what's going on right now, because there has been, you know, the conflict has been going on for thousands of years, has been going on since Israel became, became a country in 1948. Um, but there is something very different happening right now where the entire population of Israel, and I'm just going to speak about Israel specifically, and 
because I don't know anyone personally in, in Gaza, but I can share from personal experience from friends and family in Israel that this has been a watershed moment since this war broke. Pretty much the whole collective consciousness in Israel has shifted and so many people have been living in this fight or flight mode constantly since the war broke, regardless of if they have an actual threat at the moment. You know, there is a threat in the air, there is stress in the air, there is war in the air. And so people stopped sleeping well, people got off their routines of healthy eating and exercise. And it's just this constant angst. And many, many people are glued to the news that have 24-7 war um, special editions happening and following all the moves of the war and the international community and the politics. Um, so it is it is quite intense um, right now and a lot of suffering and grief. And that is also why for us, it became so clear pretty early on, we have something really useful that we can bring um, to, to the people. So I wanted to say something about life in Israel right now. It's very, very different from the normal there. You know, people now live life normally, go to work, take the kids to school in many parts of Israel, and they expect a few times a day to hear an alarm and run to a bomb shelter. <laughs> and this is one of the things that happened during our group meditation. I think my mother um, heard an alarm and said, sorry, guys, I have to go. Went to hide in a shelter. And then after everything was clear, she came back. And it's such a foreign thing for someone not from Israel, not from the area to, to live life like that. But in Israel, it's been uh, a reality. And it's been the way that people have lived for, for many, many years. And it's kind of crazy that that's normal. Yeah, I visited Israel with David for the first time last May. And when I landed at the airport, he was already there. And there were sirens going off in the airport. And David sends me a message that's like, if you see people running, just follow them. <laughs> unfamiliar for me. And, and uh, I didn't have to run anywhere. But when I arrived in Tel Aviv and we could hear sirens in the air, um, just from bordering cities of, you know, there's bombs going off and to seek shelter. But everyone in Tel Aviv is living daily life because they're, how how far away would that have been occurring? Probably the distance between Tel Aviv and Gaza, I'd estimate somewhere around 25, 30 miles. Something. So only 25 or 30 miles, which, you know, here in the US, if there were sirens for bombs 25 or 30 miles going off, we would all be sheltering. But there, it was so interesting for me to experience that if it wasn't directly in your radius, and people were continuing on about normal life. I felt pretty safe and secure knowing I was with David and, you know, he knows the way of life there. And so um, I was in great hands. But this time it's different. Like this time, everyone there is sheltering. Everyone is affected by this conflict. Nobody is going about daily life in the same way that they had been. And when we had the group meditation, I think it was really eye-opening for a lot of our students here that wanted to join um, in support and also to just talk about what was happening and to hear from David, who has you know, a lot more knowledge than many of us on this conflict. And, you know, like David mentioned, his mom had to leave and go shelter and then she returned. And another one of our students had to log off early. She showed us through her video on her Zoom that she was actually in a shelter. She logged on to meditate with us and we saw all the people sitting in the shelter with her because it wasn't safe to be in there 
home at that moment. And it was really eye-opening for all of us that were there. And a lot of students had tears flowing down their eyes, just seeing a little bit more into insight of daily life and also outside of, you know, the newscasters and what they might show at a heightened level versus the very individual experience. So I know a lot of people have been reporting to us that they're not sleeping well um, since the war broke out, even here, you know, in the States. And if we're feeling that and we're experiencing that here, it's just so much more heightened Mm -hmm. um, when you're at the source. Mm -hmm. So I think your mom is, you know, handling things really remarkably. Mm -hmm. She does meditate twice a day and has found this to be such a saving grace through the time. And she uh, is a psychologist also. So she's able to utilize the resources she has to offer support and help to um, provide therapy to the masses. And I think her meditation practice is really giving her the resiliency and the adaptability to stand up as a leader, even though of course it's challenging uh, mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that that is worth mentioning is that actually during these times, and I think As meditators, we can relate to it in our own personal life. When things get hard, when there is something big going on, something challenging, stress, grief, depression, then it actually becomes harder to show up every day and do the twice a day meditation, even though it's the thing that can help the most. So there's also definitely that challenge. And we've also seen some of our meditators in Israel say, oh, I've, I've been off the practice or I've only been doing one when I know why you can do two. Um, and that is something also that we're seeing. That that was something that came to mind when you were talking, because I think about when we go off balance, we crave what brings us further off balance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when we, um, you know, like people who are coffee in nature, when they're off balance, crave fatty foods, people who are Vata in nature, you know, you see them off balance walking around with 32 ounce iced coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. folks are in their like Bikram yoga classes, you know, <laughs> like so mm-hmm. whatever, um, you know, our physiology, when we go off balance, we'll start craving that, which is actually takes us further. And so to reverse that, to get yourself back into balance, something like meditation is, it's almost like you imagine like one of those big um, cargo ships, like it, you have to turn that whole thing around. Mm-hmm. So you need something very powerful to start, you know, rather than the um, vicious cycle of off balance things that, you know, you stop, you stop, you know, eating while you stop sleeping, like that further puts you off balance. Meditation is the thing that actually starts. What's the opposite of a vicious cycle? A, a, a virtuous cycle. The virtuous cycle, the auspicious cycle. It starts that that to where you know you start um you start meditating twice a day. You don't have to think about anything else, and then you start naturally eating better. Then you start actually wanting to go to bed on time. And, you know, then then the direction is going in that way and, and it's exponential in the same way the vicious cycle is exponential. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that that key piece that turns the whole flow of balance back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that you two with Meditation Without Borders have already worked with some populations that experience very high levels of stress and and hardship. I know about uh, people who live on the streets. I know that you taught cancer survivors. I'm curious, what what kind of advice do you have for people who are in that experience where there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of hardship. What helps to show up to the practice? Well, this is a unique situation because the trauma is so dimensional, right? It, this isn't just the trauma from the past month. Now, this is- you, And it's generational. Right, it's ancestral yeah. Yeah. involved here. So you have this dimension of you know, like the recent trauma of what happened, you have the trauma of in one's lifetime that this conflict has been going on. You have, you know, so you have the kind of lateral collective trauma, um, but then you have this almost vertical ancestral trauma and they're all intersecting simultaneously. Um, so you can take your individual experiences. You have the experiences of your, of your parents and their grandparents. You know, a lot of people 
who are going through trauma right now probably have grandparents who went through the Holocaust, for example. Um, so there's just this reverberation of trauma coming from all angles. And I have actually multiple Israeli students, and this is what they're reporting to me is it's so crippling because it's just, it's coming from all sides. And um, for someone who doesn't have that type of ancestral trauma, it's actually hard to to relate. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. um, so you know, we know meditation is is one of the best um, is is how we release that kind of trauma because trauma is extreme stress, mm -hmm. and um, and so when we go to those places of deep rest, it starts to normalize. All that I like to think of trauma and stress as distorted consciousness within your physiology. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like water that's agitated. And so it's like calms the water. So you can actually feel all the layers of self all the way from the surface to the base of the lake. And you can see straight down. Like if you look into a lake that's the water is, you know, rough, you can only see the surface. But when that calms, you can see the surface, you can see the fish in the middle, and you can see the bottom. You can see it all. And so it works, it'll work on all those different layers of trauma. And for those who have that kind of trauma, who already have meditation practice, it's good to talk to your teacher because if what's happening is you're having more unstressing than what is graceful, then you might want to dial your practice down a bit. It's almost like, you know, your practice is like a pressure release valve. And the reason we do it 20 minutes twice a day is we're actually just like, you know, setting off the valve a little bit at a time. <laughs> so we don't get overwhelming, unstressing. Mm -hmm. um, but for people who have high levels of trauma that get triggered, you know, even the 20 minutes twice a day may suddenly feel really overwhelming to your system. And the last thing you want to do is be like, well, I'm going to abandon this practice because it's actually making me stressed. It's not making you stressed. What's happening is that it's a lot more unstressing happening. You may have very shallow meditations. It may not feel very good to meditate. That doesn't mean it's not doing what it's supposed to. It just means that you're hardly going with it inward at all in order to have a lot of stress come out. Mm. The deeper we go, the nicer it feels. And if you have a lot of stress, you don't have to go very deep. You just go in a little bit and all this starts coming out and it's good that it's coming out. We want it to come out. Um, and the unstressing will not just be in the meditation. It will start being outside the meditation as well. So if you want to turn it down, um, there's different things you can do, but I would, I would, suggest talking to your teacher because it can involve shortening the meditation it can involve um even with people with, with high degrees of trauma we talk about they can even meditate with eyes open mm -hmm. you know some people have closed merely closing their eyes just brings on a whole body panic experience you can meditate with eyes open so these are just two examples of some of the ways of putting the brakes on the trauma release Mm -hmm. um, doing body feeling is another one where we actually let go of the mantra completely and scan the body for where it feels uncomfortable and put our awareness on that place until the body is releasing the pain is no longer there and then we can resume the mantra longer lay downs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. longer lay downs absolutely doing pranayam before your meditation to process some of the stress beforehand mm -hmm. and your teacher can teach you how to do that Mm -hmm. uh, lots of strategies. So don't abandon your practice, you know, find a teacher, find, you can even write to us, you know, we'll, yeah. we, we've got lots of experience with that. And this is the beautiful thing about being a Vedic meditator is that you get lifetime of support and follow-up right. and being able to reach out to your teacher or any other teacher and say, Hey, yeah. I need help with this. Mm -hmm. What should I do? Mm -hmm. I'd say half my consult calls are from people with uh very big trauma you know backgrounds mm -hmm. and asking how to make their practice more graceful so it's not an uncommon thing it's not uncommon and i think every vedic meditation initiator teacher agrees we'd love to hear from our students mm -hmm. so if you are struggling or if you are having a hard time with the practice or something has come up that's challenging absolutely never hesitate to reach out to any of us is, is what we are here for. And group meditation, come for group meditations. A lot of us offer them and a lot of us offer them on Zoom and in person. And we'll be bringing a lifetime support to everyone that we teach in Israel as well. So once they come and they learn and they do the four-day course in person, then they're part of our worldwide community. 
safety and a lifetime of support happens well beyond, you know, this one mission that we're doing. Community feels so good in crisis. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember when COVID started, it was like all of a sudden my group med, you know, <laughs> numbers went quadrupled. <laughs> it's like, I was like, oh, I need help. You know, it feels really good to find each other. Um, and a Zoom is great because, you know, whether you're in Israel or even if you know, you're in the U.S. or wherever you are, you can you can find a teacher anywhere in the world and connect with a community. And you can have community all over the world. You don't have to have the community just of the initiator that you learned with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have most of my students, actually, I didn't teach originally. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call it the exactly. Island of Misfit Meditators. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a part of that. <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> and also the the wonderful thing um and we talked about this in our call about bringing this meditation to anywhere where there is need. And that's you know we share the same mission that's why we we're we're so excited to work together is how easy it is to bring it all we need is four days and somewhere where people can sit mm-hmm. and flowers so we can do our ceremony of puja and that's it mm-hmm. 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 yeah no i Absolutely. love that you know have puja kit will travel <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Uh, we're going to have all the information about how to contact you, how to donate in our notes. And um, we are so excited to see where this goes and so excited to be a part of it in whatever way is helpful to you. So thank Reach you. So out much. To, sorry to Emily and David, if you want to, you want to help in any way, but thank you guys for being here. Thank you so much. Incredible. Thank you so much for having us. Such a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your support really means the world to us. Thank you. <laughs> we love you so much. <laughs> Dave. 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 Dave.